All right, all right. You can go ahead and take your seat this morning. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. It's really great to see you. It is officially, I don't actually know if it's official, but to me, it's officially fall. And it is time for the baggy sweaters. Come on. Can I get an amen? And uh, it feels so good to be in a new season. My name is Pastor Amritha. I'm really thankful that you're here this morning. Pastor Pradeep and my husband is preaching in Canada over international boundaries this morning. Anybody, anybody love Canada out there? I see some Canada fans. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, hey, I'm really thankful because today I am wrapping up our series, All the Feels. All the Feels. We at church, did you know it was okay at church to talk about feelings and emotions? We have been doing that. And I tell you what, I have seen and we have heard testimonies of how God is touching people because we're talking about feelings and emotions. This lady's like, right here, that's me. And, and those of you that are a little bit like, okay, I don't want to talk about feelings. I don't want to talk about emotions. My wall is up. Can I just say, just put your wall down. Just put your wall down. Just give me a chance. Give Jesus a chance to talk to you and minister to you this morning because I believe God has something really special for you today. And, and here's the deal. We've been talking about anger. We've been talking about sadness. We've been talking about all these different emotions. And now I feel like we're like, okay, we're in touch with our emotions, right? Some of us are like, okay, you surfaced up. You got to the surface, all my emotions. What do I do now? Like now I'm freaking out. And now I'm like at a home just emotional. Thanks, church. Thanks, Pastor Amrita. Thanks, Pastor Pradeepin. But I want to tell you this morning, we're going to talk about, we're going to close this series with something very practical. Something that we can do to fight for our emotional health. Because I believe that this is truly, truly very important for your life. Emotional health, mental health is something that we all deal with. We were all created with emotions. And so we're fighting for our emotional health. And last week, uh, Derek and Sam, who are in our church, they got engaged. I don't think they're in this service. I think they're coming to the second service. They got engaged, and uh, we, we brought them up on stage and celebrated them. They're just a really great couple. And it was so awesome because a few months, what you don't know about their engagement is that a few months before they got engaged, they came to Pastor Pradeepan and I, and they said, hey, would you guys give us some pre-engagement counseling? And we were like, never heard of it. We'll do it. Sure. Like, it, and it, I loved it because what they wanted to do, we heard, we've done premarital counseling, but what they wanted to do is they wanted to just say, hey, before we, like, put a ring on it, Derek's like, before I put a ring on it, before we take the next step that is forever, we just want to get some counsel from you guys. Do you guys think this is a good idea? Do you see any red flags? Because getting married is the second most important decision of your life. The first being living your life with Jesus, accepting him into your life. But this is the person that you are going to be with forever. And so they're awesome because they were like, what do you guys think? And we were like, hey, you guys are awesome. We think you're going to make it. We think you have a great, healthy relationship. And I loved that. And Pastor Pradeepan and I, we've done some pre-marital counseling for a lot of couples. And I am proud to tell you that 100% of the couples that we have counseled are still married today. Come on. Come on. 
And I'm just praying that I can still say that in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And uh, so this is really cool because I think with counseling, we get a little bit funny about it, right? But counseling in the pre-engagement, pre-marital world, uh, we kind of, that's acceptable. It's something that we're proud of. It's something that we do in preparation for something. But I want to tell you today that one of the most practical things that we can do to fight for our emotional health is to consider counseling for ourselves as individuals, to go to counseling, to receive godly counseling. Counseling is a tool. It's not the end-all, be-all. In fact, I'm going to get to a point where I'm saying only Jesus can really touch your emotional health the way that we were created to experience emotional health. But I want to tell you, counseling can be a tool that God uses in our lives. The scriptures talk all about godly counseling. Look at this. I've got five scriptures here that talk about counseling just in Proverbs alone. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Proverbs 13, 10. Through insolence comes nothing but strife, but wisdom is with those who receive, say it with me, counsel. Proverbs 15, 22. Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. Proverbs 12, 18. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We're talking about healing, health to our emotions, to our mental illness, to our emotional illness, to the struggles that we all face. These scriptures show us this. This is what they show us. They show us that we, in and of ourselves, do not have everything that it takes to be emotionally healthy. That's the truth, right? We think that we got this. I got this. But the truth is we all have had stuff happen to us. We all have been victims of really hard things. We all have mountaintop experiences and really low, low valleys. And we all have, it, it impacts us emotionally, right? So we in and of ourselves do not have everything that we need to have emotional health. We need godly counseling. And godly counseling can happen with a friend. It can happen from a pastor, it can happen with a Christian community, and it can also happen with a counselor, with counseling. And so I'm promoting it today. No shame, we are breaking the stigma in this place, amen? There does not have to be a stigma about fighting for our emotional health and using the tool that is counseling, right? And I think this is what happens. The stigma happens when we just, when we, it happens outside of the church, and it really happens, I think, in the church. And we think that if we go to counseling, then we're weak. Or if we, if we end up going to counseling, that means that I have failed. I failed so much that now I have to go to counseling. Wait a minute. That's not true. Sometimes we struggle to just even admit that we need help. We don't live in a culture where we admit that we need help, that we in and of ourselves do not have everything we need to be successful, even in our inner emotions. And I want to tell you this morning, sometimes at church, there's this stigma. And we just say, well, if you have emotional distress, if you have mental illness, that means you have not prayed enough. Not true. That means you have not worshipped enough. Not true. And can I just free you this morning and tell you, if you are struggling, if you have a dark struggle inside of you, it is not because you're not Christian enough. If you have a mental illness, if you are dealing with emotional issues, it is not because you aren't Christian enough. 
Jesus wants to talk to us today. He wants to break the stigma. Because here's what's happening. We're, we're operating in a lie. We're operating in a, a, a limited world when we operate within this stigma. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm all about breaking it. I'm all about breaking that stigma because I want to bring you liberation today in your emotions. I want to bring healing to you today in your emotions. And I think that the stigma, honestly, of godly counsel, of receiving counsel is kind of irrational. Have you ever thought about this? It's a little bit irrational. If I got a financial advisor that put together a budget for me, that would be acceptable, right? If I got a trainer to help me with my workout that currently doesn't exist, don't, don't judge. <laughs> okay, I just had a baby, just chill, okay? Um, it's been six months, I should be working out. Whatever. <laughs> but if I got a trainer, that would be acceptable, Right? That would be acceptable. No one would judge me for that. If I, if I broke my arm, I would go to the doctor, and the doctor, through medicine, would administer God's healing. Do you see how the stigma of, of getting help for our inner selves is a little bit irrational? It's really unhealthy. And so it reminds me of a story that is in the scriptures. It's the Old Testament, and it's about a man named Naaman who was a bit irrational in what happened to him. And I want to pick up on this story, but first I want to just set it up. Naaman in the Old Testament was a very powerful leader of an army. The Bible says that he was a valiant soldier. He was a valiant soldier. And he was highly respected. He was a leader. He's someone that everyone looked up to, right? But Naaman had a secret. Naaman had a disease. And that disease was called leprosy. And a couple weeks back, Pastor Pritipun and I, we talked about what leprosy is. Leprosy is a disease that you get where you can't feel pain. So what would happen for a guy that's in the army, what would happen is you are in these battles and you get wounded. You can't feel the wounds. The wounds get infected. The medicine back then wasn't the way it is today. And people would die of infections. This was leprosy. And Naaman, a valiant soldier, the, the leader of an army, the one who conquered nations because God would allow him to conquer nations, had leprosy. He had this darkness, this secret, this issue physically that he was battling. And so we're going to pick up in 2 Kings 5, 9, where Naaman just found out. He just found out that he could be healed of his leprosy. Okay, so 2 Kings verse 5, 9 says this. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. If you ever wanted to know if anyone in the Bible had a tantrum, this dude just had a tantrum. He just acted like my three-and-a-half-year-old. That was a tantrum in the Bible. Okay, here we go. Verse 13. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. 
Naaman's leprosy was healed. Naaman was given instructions. Hey, man, you can actually get healed of your dark secret. You can have healing for this leprosy. But Naaman didn't like how it was going to happen. He was like, no thanks. You know, and this kind of blows my mind because I'm like, wait a minute. If I knew that childbirth could be painless, I'm in. Whatever it takes. I'm in. How, Naaman, when you get told you can be healed of leprosy, are you not just like, I'll take it, whatever happens? So my first point today that I think we can learn that we sometimes act like Naaman is this. Number one, no one is above receiving help. It doesn't matter if you're a valiant soldier. It doesn't matter if you're a church leader. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO. It doesn't matter if you work at a bank. It doesn't matter if you're a therapist yourself. You need help. We in and of ourselves don't have what it takes to be emotionally healthy all by ourselves. And I was thinking about this. I was like, what kind of movie character would Naaman be in this situation? I was like, if Naaman were a movie character in a movie right now, he would be Thanos in Avengers. Okay? This is the strong value man. He would be Jason Bourne, people. This is Matt Damon in the Bourne movies. He would be... Here, go with me here. He would be Will Smith in Independence Day. Anyone else a Will Smith fan? Okay, that's my celebrity crush. My husband's gone. I shouldn't be talking about my celebrity crush, <laughs> but I am. So I had to put a Will Smith in there. He's Will Smith in Independence Day. And so this is what happens. We're looking up to Naaman. We all look up to this valiant leader, this Thanos that is in the Bible in 2 Kings, right? And he was picky about his healing because this is what it meant. It meant washing in the Jordan meant that everybody would see a strong man's weakness. That's what that would mean. And so Naaman was like, hey, instead, great idea, thanks, thanks for telling me to go wash in the Jordan. Could we, instead, I thought maybe uh, Elisha could come out, the prophet could come out and just lay his hand on my wound and just pray a little prayer and it would be healed. So could that happen? No. Sometimes we're above. Sometimes we struggle with pride. We think we know what's best. We think we know how to best get our healing, and that's not true. You can't separate your struggle from the other parts of you. You need healing. Your strength is as strong as your weakness. So let's get passionate about our weakness. Let's get passionate about our brokenness. Let's stop being ashamed. And let's get passionate. Let's receive healing. It is that five-letter word that we all struggle with, P-R-I-D-E, pride. This is what happens to us, and we live in the darkness. We, on the outside, we are smiling, but we're living in the darkness because of pride. Because we're we're, we don't like, we don't like the way that, 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 I, that we could be healed, which could be the tool of counseling in your life. I don't want to go to a therapist. I don't want to go to counseling. But we all know this phrase, pride comes before the, pride comes before the fall, right? Pride comes before the fall. In fact, in the Bible, there's a really more intense word than the fall. In Proverbs 16, 18, it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Some of you need to hear me tell you this morning that what you're doing isn't working. The loneliness that you're feeling, the sadness that you're feeling, the constant dysfunction of relationships in your life, the, the way that you're always the victim, the way that you just, you're battling through life, what you're doing isn't working. I want you to be open this morning to a tool 
that may be better for you. Don't be above it. Let's not have so many excuses. Sometimes we say, well, I don't want to go to counseling because I did counseling and I had a bad experience. Well, I don't want to go to counseling because I've done it one time. I know everything there is to know now about emotional health. Guess what? If you need to go to counseling multiple times in your life, do it. Trust me. It's okay. Do it. Um, one time, I had a really weird experience at counseling. Um, it wasn't actually that bad, but it was kind of weird. And I could have decided I'm never going back to counseling because that was weird. So when I was in my uh, mid-20s, I, uh, I shared a couple weeks ago that I really was going through some anxiety. God actually truly freed me and touched me. Uh, of anxiety in my life. I no longer live with it. But I did for a two-year time span. And in that time span, I went and got some help, man. I was like, what is going on? I'm dealing with anxiety. So I go to this counselor. This, this, this lady was at my church. She's really great. And um, one of the things that was bringing me anxiety was the guy that I was dating. He was pretty fit. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I, was a I was a little bit anxious. So I, I was the kind of girl who was like, I don't want to just date to date. I need to know if this guy is marriage material. So I was a little bit stressed because I was like, and we'd only been dating a month. So I was in that place where I was like, and I was a church girl. Okay, we think about dating a little bit different sometimes. Sometimes healthy, sometimes not. And so I was in this place and I was like, oh my gosh, is this the guy I'm going to marry? But like, I've only been seeing him for a month. So like, relax. That's what I needed somebody to tell me. But I was stressed and I was anxious and I was sitting with my counselor in this session and I said, I just said, I don't know, like he wants to live, he wants to be a missionary or he wants to be a pastor, he wants to be a traveling man, he just loved God and he wanted to just do whatever it takes to, to tell people the gospel, right? And I wanted to live in Kansas next to my family. And I was like, how am I going to, how do I reconcile this? This, I don't know if I want to be with this guy. And so my counselor in the office that we met in, there was this giant map on the wall. Okay, and my counselor said, I want you to get up, and I want you to walk over to this map, and I want you to point to where you see your life. So I pointed on that map. It was a world map. I narrowed it down to the United States. I got right in Central America, and I pointed right to Kansas. That's where I see my life. That's where my family is. That's where I'm going to thrive. That's where I see myself. She said, okay, now I want you to point to where you see Pradeepin on this map in his life. And I looked at the map, and I said, I can't. Because Pradeepin is willing to go anywhere God sends him. And I don't know where that's going to be. And that's what's freaking me out and causing me some anxiety right now. And then my counselor looked at me and she said this. She said, well, now you know what to do. And I was like, wait, I do? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't. <laughs> I was like looking, but I was like embarrassed, so I didn't ask her. And I was like, uh, okay, I don't really know what to do. But yeah, that was profound. That was profound. And so I, uh, I thought that night I should break up with Pretty When He Was Picking Me Up from my counseling session to go to a wedding. We were, we were dating. We were going to a wedding. And so I just thought at some point in this night, I have to break this guy's heart. Because the map proved it. That we should not be together forever. And so that's what I thought. And so I tell you this because that was kind of a weird experience. But you know what? Counseling, that processing was really good for me. But I still followed my heart. I still followed the spirit of God. I didn't follow everything that the therapist said. And so I want to tell you this today, that counseling can be a tool in your life for emotional health. And I want to tell you one of the greatest lies that you could believe is that your unhealth, your, your emotional distress doesn't just impact you. There are marriages destroyed. There are families separated. There are relational issues time after time after time because you think that the darkness that you're facing is only impacting you. That's not true. 
It is impacting those around you, trust me. And if you took the time to ask them, I bet they would tell you, hey, you know what? You are a little bit closed off. Hey, you know what? It's kind of hard to be friends with you. Hey, you know what, spouse? I, I, I feel like we haven't really connected in a really long time. It's impacting more than just you. In fact, when Pastor Pradeepan and I decided to get married, obviously we worked all that stuff out. I worked all that stuff out. God freed me of anxiety from my husband. And, um, and uh, we actually, I actually decided I will not marry a person that is not willing to get help if we ever need it. We actually had that conversation before we got married. Because I knew that even in our marriage, our love would not be enough. Our love for each other. So I wanted somebody who would not be prideful, humble himself, and be willing to go to counseling. So I want to tell you, it doesn't just impact you. Uh, six months before we planted Kalos Church, we got a phone call. My dad uh, unexpected, unexpectedly died of a heart attack six months before we planted this church. And we were up here in Washington. My family was going through craziness in Kansas because my dad had just passed away. And I decided... Uh, we were really busy. Listen, starting a church was really, really intense. And I, I realized that if I don't take the time to grieve this, I will, I'll be too busy. I'll just kind of pass through. And in five years or in two years when we have a church, it will be something that begins to impact my marriage, the lack of grieving. It will impact my family. It will impact my church. If I don't be proactive and I don't go to counseling and I grieve the death of my father, how many of you would say today, because a church leader in my life didn't go deal with their issues, I was impacted? So I stand here before you today just saying, hey, I believe in help. I believe in myself getting help, and I did that. So I tell you what, don't be above it. Don't be above getting help. Don't put your pride aside. Admit that you need someone to help you deal with the insides of you. Number two, you may not like the tools that God uses to heal you, but they could change your life. Naaman was like, hey, you know what? Uh, I know I have this disease, and I don't really want to dip in the Jordan River. In fact, he said, he said listen, I don't really want to get healed that way. Uh, and if I am going to get healed by water, could it be these waters instead of the Jordan River? Okay, I don't know if your mother ever said this to you, but she would say to me, beggars can't be choosy. Okay? So if you want healing, don't be choosy about how that's happening. And he was just like, no way. God uses tools that can be unexpected in our life. Did you know in the New Testament, Jesus used spit to heal a blind man? Jesus used waters. God used waters to heal Naaman. And I think what happens is that we have these symptoms that we're dealing with that actually are because of a deeply rooted issue in our lives. And that's where we need help uncovering those deeply rooted issues, right? And so we need the tool of counseling in our lives. And Naaman was like, listen, Okay, fine. He finally was like, all right, it's not going to happen the way that I want it to happen. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the Jordan River. And he dipped himself in the water seven times. I want to tell you this. Your healing can be messy. It's not going to be a pretty little thing. My grieving of my father was not a pretty little thing. It was messy, but I'm glad I did it. I'm on the other side and I'm whole. And I tell you what, even if it's tedious, you got to go wash in the river seven times. Some of you are like, I'll go to counseling when I don't have to pay for it, when I don't have to sit in traffic, when I don't have to talk to somebody and I don't have to listen to anybody talk to me. Then I'll go to counseling. Hey, you know what? It's messy. It's inconvenient. You may have to dip in the water seven times, right? Counseling is worth it. 
It's worth it. Some of you are saying, Amritha, you just don't get it. I'm not going to counseling. I want to tell you today, I don't get it. Why would you not fight for yourself? Why would you not fight for the way that it's impacting those around you? Commit to Jesus in this process. Hey, I want to I do something that I've never seen done in church this morning. Um, and that is I want you to, uh, in our church, actually, we have several therapists and counselors in our midst. And they're people who are God-fearing and love Jesus. And uh, so I'm going to bring Helen Hansen up here right now. Helen, why don't you come up? Give it up for Helen Hansen. I'm so encouraged to have some therapists. I literally, as a pastor, called Helen and been like, Helen, what do I do? I'll be like, uh, what do you think I should do? Will you come stand right here? And I've asked Helen to share and help us break the stigma in church this morning. Helen is a clinical psychologist. She loves the Lord. She believes in counseling. She believes in godly counseling. And I want to de demystify, debunk some things about counseling. So I was like, hey, let's have a therapist come up and talk about what this is actually like. And so, Helen, will you share with us uh, uh, just some, some things about counseling that help it not to be so scary, so intimidating. Yes, I'm just so glad that we're having this talk, by the way, because I agree. This is so rare to see in a church, right, to have this open conversation. Um, so, yeah, I feel like there's um, a lot of stigma and a lot of kind of misunderstandings about therapy, right? I mean, it's something that we do in a private setting. It's something that people don't really talk about. Um, so... I would say um, if there is a lot of shame, like Pastor Amnitha said, about um, getting counseling, it's really just about sitting with someone and uh, really just getting consultation, right, on how to improve different parts of your life. Um, and there are lots of different types of therapies. Um, and so in that way, you get to really have a sense of, like, what you're looking for um, and also be able to interview different therapists out there because, like Pastor Anita said, not everyone is going to be a good fit for you, right? I know that I can't help everyone with my approach and my style. Um, so just giving a little bit of power back to you as you're searching, I think, is a really good idea. Um, and so if you're wanting, like, actual tangible steps to take, you know, that's more of like a CBT approach, right? And I can talk more about that individually. Um, or if you're just wanting to kind of have someone process things with you, right? So there are just kind of different things that you can kind of call and, and interview the person and say, can you do this for me? Um, is this something that you're able to help me with? Um, so kind of taking that mystery out of that process for people I think is good. Love it. Can you tell us what happens when we come to counseling? So we call, the th we call, we say, hey, I need a therapist. Can you help me out? I'm going to come. I'm in my car. I'm kind of freaking out. I kind of want to turn back around and not go. You know, so what happens when we come? I think a lot of times what we think about is like, oh, there's going to be a couch that I have to like lay down on and there's going to be a little thing that they put in front of me and, you know, hypnotize me or something. And that is a very like small section of therapy, right? Um, if you want that, you can find that. But a very big variety um, out there, like I said earlier, and majority of therapy is not like that. So you just sit down, there's a person, usually there is a couch, but you can just sit, you don't have to lay down. Um, you don't have to like go deep into your subconscious or unconscious or anything. Um, and you just talk to them. The first really is a chat to get to know you. So usually the first session is just an intake um, where they just get a history of your life, um, anything that pertains to you know, the issues that you're facing in your life, um, and then just going from there and just setting goals together, um, being collaborative. That's really the main point of that first visit. Um, and then really talking about what will this look like how often will we meet? You know, do you want me to come every week? Usually it, it starts that way. 
Um, and then what kinds of things should we talk about? And then the following visits, it's more kind of sitting down, checking in on your week, um, and then really kind of talking about, okay, what are some things you really have been thinking about this week? What can we process more um, in this time together? So, you know, it's really just what you want it to be, right? It doesn't have to be someone else driving that process for you. You don't have to dig deep in and take something out that you don't want them to, right? It's, yeah. it's really you have the full control in, in this process, and I think that's the part I want to say the loudest for those back there. Amen. Hey, um, well, last question. What would you say to those who say, I can't afford counseling? Um, can't put it in my budget. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, you know, like Pastor Amritha really emphasized, this is part of your health. And so just as you would um, prioritize if you had the flu or if you had an injury, I mean, you wouldn't say, like, I can't afford that. Right now my arm's broken and I can't function. So just kind of thinking about it in a different way, I think is really helpful. But also knowing that there are a lot of, um, you know, whether it is kind of finding out through insurance, if there is a coverage, usually there is. Um, if you have a medical insurance, there's kind of a, like a mental health breakout. Um, so kind of looking into that. Um, or seeing if there are providers out there who are able to provide um, like a sliding fee or kind of different way of working with you. Um, there are lots of um, programs out there too that will help you um, and kind of meet your needs. Um, so don't limit yourself just because there are certain constraints that you're seeing right now. There are different ways. Can you give it up for this amazing woman right here? Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Oh, I love it. I love that we got some therapists, some counselors in our church. Uh, and I'm not ashamed, man. I'm like, I, if I need some help, I'll go get help. Number three, this is my last point today. Uh, number three is this. Counselors will never replace the wonderful counselor. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a child is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The Jordan River alone did not heal Naaman's leprosy. It was the power of God. Counselors will not heal all of your wounds. That's why I'm using the phrase, this is a tool. Jesus alone is the one who can transform your life. Counseling, I'm not where I am today because of counseling alone. It's because of the healing touch of Jesus. Jesus, you know, we ask at this church, what is so beautiful about Jesus? I want to tell you today that the power of healing is in Jesus. The one you need to touch your brokenness. The one you need to bring light to your darkness. The one you need to bring health to your, to your emotions is Jesus. Jesus loves you. He cares for you. Counselors will never replace the wonderful counselors. God speaks through them. But I tell you today, Jesus is the source. He is the source of our lives. He is the source. And I love, I love that he is he even called the wonderful counselor. That's the word the scriptures use. It's the wonderful counselor. Jesus is the one who can heal you and touch you and do a work in your heart that no man, no counselor, no pastor could ever do. And I'm going to give you here in a minute an invitation to, to know him. To, to invite him to your heart to say, God, I don't really get how you touch 
and how you heal. I know you use water and spit and counselors. I just need you. I need something, right? We're desperate for you, God. He's the source of our healing. I want to invite my good friend Linda Ho to come up on stage. I'm already almost in tears. <laughs> I want you to hear a testimony uh, of Linda. Linda uh, has been my good friend for many, many years. And, and uh, recently, uh, she uh, decided to go to counseling, and she's going to share that with you. And one of the, the cool things that Linda has done with her counseling is she has actually been processing and then posting online her process. Uh, and she's going to tell you why here, here in just a minute. But I asked Linda, I said, would you read that post? It is one of the most brave and vulnerable posts I've ever seen. And uh, so I'm going to have her share with you because I want you to hear this. I want you to hear how counseling is a tool in her life. And I want you to hear how Jesus is doing something that, that only a wonderful counselor can do in her life as well. So you take a step forward this way and share with us. Yeah. Um, so I recently started going back to counseling because um, I realized that relationally I, I struggle with some things and I didn't know where they were coming from. And so prior to giving my life to God, I had received counseling and I experienced some breakthrough. Um, but now that I'm at NU Hope, I, th man, there's something about being able to ask for prayer from your counselor, knowing that your counselor and you share the same faith values that just gives me so much peace. And I'm still processing everything, but, um, you know, now that I know God on a deeper level, the things that I unpack and reveal in those sessions, I'm able to give them to him and lean on him some more. So that way, when I leave those sessions, I don't need, I don't feel as burdened. I don't feel as heavy. And so when I started counseling, I actually committed to being open and honest with my journey because I, um, I want to help fight against the stigma of counseling, of the taboo of Christians struggling both emotionally and mentally. And so I just want to share the post that I had posted um, last a few weeks ago. Um, so last month, I started the first of my regular counseling sessions, and I had one the month before, but now I'm on a regular biweekly basis. And so as we're talking, I started to remember some, some events that I had buried so deep that I had forgotten that they even happened. And after my session, all I could think about was one particular moment that has been burned into my memory. So an unsightly image that five to six-year-old me couldn't comprehend and even 30-year-old me today can't comprehend still. And so driving home, I just wept. And how do I even process this? You know, and I'm not kidding when I said I don't remember what happened um, because it's been so long since I thought about it that I had to call my brother and ask, am I making this up? Is this real? And so, you know, I thought, why would I? Why would this happen to me? This is so messed up. Um, you know, and if I didn't remember it until now, did it actually happen? And so when people hear my story, they're so kind and they're so apologetic. But in those moments, I respond with, that's okay. I'm in a better place now, which I am, but that's not the point. What I realize is that I have gone through so much growing up that I have normalized trauma in my life. And I don't give myself enough credit. And I'm so scared to play the victim that I play the person that's always okay. And that's not healthy. And I'm not healthy. And the more I go to counseling, the more hurt and pain I'm uncovering. 
and it's terrifying. And there are days where I feel like I'm falling 10 steps backwards. And a shame that I've been such a fraud. But I know God wants to do something about all of that, about the negative feelings and the disappointment I have about myself. My name is Linda. I went to 13 different schools before I graduated high school. I have abandonment issues. My insecurities are petty and large. My relationship with my parents breaks my heart more than I want to admit. And I'm a mess and I don't know what I'm doing. But my name is Linda. I'm strong, I'm intelligent, I'm tenacious, and I'm resilient as all hell. My love and passion for God is fierce paired by intense love for people. My name is Linda and I serve on the Kalos leadership team and I go to counseling for my mental and emotional health. Come on, I want you to honor her right now. tell you this morning that Jesus is the wonderful counselor, that he loves you and he cares for you. And what would it look like in your emotional life to have a counselor, a pastor, a church community, friends that love you? That would make a huge difference in your emotional healing. We all need it. And so this morning, I'm going to put up on the screen, I, I've, I've looked at some counseling options. This is not exhaustive at all. But if you need to take a picture of this right here because you need to go get some counseling, I want you to know that it's okay. We give you the freedom to do that. And you can come talk to me more. There, this is not clearly an exhaustive list, but these are some options for counseling if you need that. I wanted to make this practical. I wanted to give you something that you could walk away with today. And so today I want to invite you if you're somebody, we're going to take some time to pray. If you're somebody who says, Amrita, I do need help in my emotional uh, healing and well-being, I want to pray for you. And I want to give those of you that need to give your heart to Jesus an opportunity to do that. So let's bow our heads. And if you need to sneak a picture of this slide, please do. You don't even have to sneak it. Listen, we're open about it here, right? But I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you say, man, this wrecked me, this touched me, this stirred me. I'm wondering if I need to go get some help. All eyes are closed. All heads are bowed. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? And I'm going to just pray for you. If that's you, just say, I need, I need to get some help. I'm stirred. I'm just going to pray for you. That's all. We're not going to do anything weird. Let me just pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for those people whose hands are raised. And God, I pray that you would give them the, the bravery, the finances, the uh, motivation, the energy, everything they need to take the next step toward counseling, toward receiving godly counseling. Lord, I thank you for their bravery and their boldness. Lord, I thank you that, that God, you're not up there just distant from us in our struggle. You're here, Jesus. And you're giving us ways to be healed and whole people. So I thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. Thank you, Jesus, that you're guiding us and you're leading us and you're healing our emotions and our feelings, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would break the stigma in the name of Jesus. That we would be able to walk bravely like Linda just shared and get the help that we need. Put away our pride. Not be annoyed by the tools that you use, but just be fierce about our healing. 
In Jesus' name, amen.